We're the Dream Idiots. Every week we tell each other and you stories. From history, from current events, from our own misadventures. Each episode is like a box of chocolates. There's a nasty coconut surprise waiting, hiding somewhere. Not quite, but there are curse words, insane quizzes, and even the occasional guest genius with a story of their own. Oh, well, well, Brian, that's much better than a nasty coconut surprise. Yes, Morris, yes it is. Dream Idiots. New episodes drop every Tuesday on a whole bunch of podcast platforms. Welcome to episode 32 of Malice and Mocktails. And whether you're here for the malice or the mocktails, we're so glad to have you. Yes, welcome. I can't believe it's episode like more than 30 now. That's nuts. I know. I had to check because I was like, are we at 31 or 32? It feels feels like we're only on episode like 20. Oh, no, I lied. I lied. It's 31. (laughs) You lied. That's such a big difference. I'm sorry. Yes. Sorry. Episode 31. 31. Yay. Yay. I am your host, Katie. And I'm Emily. Yes. And today we're heading back to the 1880s. And I'm going to, we're going to bounce around a little bit between the US, the UK, and Canada. I'll try to keep everything organized, but this dude seemed to flee quite frequently from where he was at. So I am going to tell you about the illustrious Dr. Thomas Neal Cream. Ew. Yeah. Ew. As As I was researching him, I kept calling him Creepy Cream. Creepy Cream! Ah! (laughs) I like um, that. I think that should be the title of the show, Creepy Cream. I think, yeah, it's going to be the, the, it's going to be in there somewhere in the episode title. Dr. Creepy Cream. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. And um, sorry, listeners, like I've told you many times before, and I'm trying to find different spots in my house to record. We, my, my living room, like faces the busy street that we live on. And we're right across the street from a very popular water park. And so we'll get the buses going by and they've got the um, big old, you know, engines and exhaust and they make a lot of noise. And so that might come through and we'll we'll tr- I'll try to edit that out but quite honestly I, it's it may just make it in there so apologies now um okay so Thomas Neil Cream was born in Glasgow Scotland in 1850 and his family moved to Canada in um they moved to an area just outside of Quebec City in 1854 and Thomas attended Le Chute Academy before becoming a student at McGill University in Montreal. And so this area of Canada, it's um, like the north, uh, northeastern part, just the north of the United States. Um, and I've never been there, but I would like to go. So I've heard it's very beautiful. Same. Yes. So, so does that mean since he was born in Scotland, does that mean he speaks Scot? Scottish? Gaelic? Scottish? And also French because he's in Quebec? I mean, he may have learned French. I I honestly didn't dig that far, to be honest. No problem. Just just literally the first thing that popped into my head. Literally. Literally. Not literally. (laughs) Sorry. Have have you seen the TikTok of how to clock a Southerner um, with making them uh, pronounce the word are you... R A L, you know, not urban, but rural. Yeah. And I, Jeff and I completely pronounce it. Sorry, side, sorry, tangent, but Jeff and I completely pronounce it differently. I pronounce it rural. Rural. Is that not what I said? That's pretty much what you said. Jeff pronounces it. He like fully enunciated. Yeah. He says, I can't even do it. Rural. I have to to use my Siri voice. Rural. He's fancy. He's fancy. I can't. I'm like, no. Where are all those extra letters? It's rural. (laughs) Like aluminum. It's like (laughs) aluminum. It's rural. It's rural. How is rural? Rural. It's R-U. It's R-O-O-L. Rural. Oh, my God. 
See, now never, every time that comes up, I'm going to like think about it before I say it. Right. Right. I sound, I feel so like Southern or so country, just a uh, urban rural. Yeah. I, and sorry. So whenever I said literally, <laughs> made me think of that. Um, Anyways, so he's in Quebec. Yes, he's in Quebec. Turn your mic down a little bit. Oh, I'm so I'm yelling because I'm excited. I'm so sorry. Okay, is this better? I think so, yes. Okay, I'm going to try to stay calm. I mean, you can yell. It's yeah. just... It, it, Turn your yeah. mic down. <laughs> Turn your mic down, Evan. Okay, where am I at? Okay, so after this, um, after he graduates, um, I'm sorry, he's at McGill University. He would um, go on to graduate from McGill in 1876 with a degree. Um, it's called a, a Doctor of Medicine and Master of Surgery. And the acronym is MDCM. And I'm pretty sure it's, it's Latin. So it's, I didn't even want to try to pronounce it because um, I'm going to butcher it. But um, also McGill is, a, I think, the only university that still awards this specific type of degree. Oh. And also in researching his credentials, it kind of brought me back to the ver my very first case about um, Buck Bruxton, who murdered his wife. And I think it was the nanny. Now I can't remember. Um, but I think he had the same credentials. Um, oh, nice. and, he, and he studied in Scotland as well. But I think, I don't know. I don't think Thomas, I can't remember. I, I think I've got it in my notes. Anyway, moving on. Um, okay, so we are in 1876. Creepy Cream is in Canada at this point. And while in Montreal, he commits arson by setting fire to his belongings to collect the insurance money. Oh, insurance. Starting off with insurance fraud. Yep. It I'm sorry. Like starting off with arson, arson. and insurance yes. fraud. And it kind of reminds me of H.H. Holmes, which we've not covered, but I right. definitely want to because he, he did some scams like that. Not setting fire necessarily, but he did uh, life insurance scams. Oh. Like on his own life insurance policy or on um, someone No, else? he would uh, take out life insurance policies on other people. <gasps> and kill them and collect the life insurance? Well, he, not to get off on a tangent, but yeah, yes, in short. But he would also fake, um, or they, I think they, he and some buddies would actually take corpses and like fake deaths, basically like oh. fake their deaths and then claim that this you know, corpse that they dug up or whatever was is a recently deceased. And then they would file a claim. Yeah. Okay. Claiming okay. it was that it was the person they took out the policy on, but not. But it wasn't. It was to fake. Yeah. You're faking that person's okay. death. So they don't die. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, okay. So that same year, 1876, he begins courting a woman named Flora Brooks. And she happens to become pregnant. Oh, well. And you know. this fool, in his infinite wisdom, he's basically like, um, I don't want to be a daddy, so how about you get an abortion? And he oh, offers, geez. yeah, he offers to do this. Um, no! Because he's a doctor, right? He's got, right. Oh, Jesus, he's no. Got knowledge of how to do this. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So he um, he performs this. Unfortunately, he botches it. It's a of course. Bad, bad abortion done improperly. Yeah. Um, and it, I, I believe she gets an infection, from what I understand. And she's very, very sick. And so he decides to flee. Uh, what a piece of... What a piece of shit. Yes. He's like, I'm sorry, but I got to go... Wow. Luckily, Flora's father can't basically stops him. He's like, um, no, you need to marry my daughter and basically forces him to marry her. No. Oh, make her life even worse. Hang on. Hang on. Okay. So after the wedding, um, he, the very next day, he leaves. He goes to the UK. Oh, actually, God. no, I'm sorry. Um, actually, I think he goes. 
I have it in my notes going to the UK, um, but I think he goes to London, Ontario, Canada. I apologize, guys. Okay. Um, okay. I'll try to fix figure that out. But anyway, either way, he leaves. He he skips town. He's gone, and the family never hears from him again. Thank and, God. Well, yes. Flora sadly dies of what they think is consumption or tuberculosis at that time in 1877, abandoned by Creepy Cream. Later, however, from what I found, the um, doctor, like the doctor that examined her, I think he thinks that um, Cream was allegedly sending medicine to her from oh. wherever he was. Um, having her take it, but they basically, they suspected it later to be poison. Like he was slowly poisoning her. Oh shit. Really? I don't know if that was ever proven. I'd have to go back. Um, there was a, uh, a book that I used, um, in this, for this case, for researching this case called, and I'll have it linked in the show notes, the case of the murderous Dr. Cream, the hunt for a Victorian era serial killer by Dean Job. And it was very informative. Um, anyway, so this brings us to 1878. And um, okay, so I do have it. He may have been in the UK for that short period of time. Sorry, freaking bus. Um, for that short period of time. But by 1878, he is now in London, Ontario, Canada. Um, and I did honestly did not look it up to see where it was on the map. I believe it is west of Quebec, though. Um, and he establishes a medical practice. Of in course. London. As and, you do. Yes. And to keep things less confusing, um, I will specify if I'm talking about London, England, because we do, we do go there at some point in the story. Um, but for now, we are in Canada. So no sooner had this man opened his practice, he was charged with practicing without a license. Ugh. And he actually pled guilty, which I'm oh. assuming he did that to probably for like a lesser fine or sentence or whatever. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, this did not deter patients from visiting his little office. And a year later in 1879, a woman named Catherine Gardner was found dead in an outhouse behind his office. Oh, good. She she was pregnant and had been murdered with a handkerchief soaked in chloroform. And chloroform, apparently it, it does affect the central nervous system and can cause a person to pass out, but can be fatal if administered in high doses. Oh, I did not know that. I didn't either. I didn't either. Um, I did not know that. Well, I mean, how high of a dose? Because I mean, if you if you can't take in oxygen like you need to, of course you're going to die. Like nitrogen can kill you, and mm. most, like seventy <laughs> percent of air is nitrogen, so you need nitrogen. But if you don't get oxygen, you'll die. So right, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Okay, I feel huh. like my Google search history I, is already kind of dark. I might so. have to look that up. <laughs> I might have to look that up because that okay. is, that's interesting. And so due to his proximity to the crime scene, Cream was quickly investigated. He would tell police that Catherine had actually come to him asking him to perform an abortion and he refused to help her. Instead, he advised her to accuse a local businessman of being the father. He, Cream also told police that he had threatened I'm sorry, that Catherine had threatened to take her own life when he told her no, that he would not perform the abortion, and that she had written a letter to Cream in which she named this alleged businessman as the father. I'm sorry, what? Like, that. I wonder why he wouldn't perform the abortion on her. Did he, was he like maybe emotionally scarred from performing botching his girlfriend's he's probably, abortion he's probably a lying pos well he could be that too i i think he did it and is now just like covering it up he's lying i'm pretty sure he's outright lying to these cops 
Oh, okay. So you're saying so he did the abortion and she correct. died of the abortion. Yes. And he's okay. telling the police, oh, no, she, she asked me and I was like, oh, no, I'm a moral upstanding person. And that's uh, I see. I mean, can't they check? Yes, they can. Okay. Yes, they can. Um, and Gardner, so Catherine's family and her roommate quickly sensed this malarkey and were like, um, that's not her handwriting. Um, because the handwriting and the signature they determined were not Catherine's. <laughs> However, despite this overwhelming circumstantial evidence against Cream, no further action was taken and what? the case basically went cold. What? Who did he pay off? Or, I mean, this is going to come up a lot. So he targeted, and I don't know, I don't know if Catherine what happened to be, um, I don't think she was a sex worker, but he targets sex workers. Sex workers specifically or undesirables in general? I think, I don't like that word, but. I um, know, but I. Not undesirables, but like people that you generally think society won't miss. Uh, okay. People who people who um, don't stay in one place for long. People who may be addicted to drugs. People the the the. Uh, I don't want to say unwanted like, of society because it's not that they're unwanted. It's just they're they're unfortunately on. Like on the fringes. Yes, that fringe fringe is what at I'm least wanting. at this time in in the world. Because um, it's not that they're undesirable. Because no. I mean, sex workers wouldn't have a job if they were undesirable. Like this. Well, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think he yes he does tend to um, his mo tends to target the folks on the fringe, um, specifically women. Oh, okay. He um, also in the in the book, and I listened to a, a couple of different podcasts too that covered um, this case. And Cream was pretty much a misogynist; like he had a disdain for women. Oh God! Um, and like later on, he would allegedly like carry around pornographic photos with like on his person when he's out and about and like would show them to people. I'm like, Sir, gross! Ew! Creepy! Creepy! You're creepy. He's a degenerate. Ugh, he's well, the dregs of society. I know. And I'm wondering, Ugh. and I, I put this in my notes for later, but we can talk about it now. So he also, I think he was diagnosed um, early on with, well, not early on, but like as a young man with syphilis. Um, and I'm wondering if that, as as time went on, because he was treating it to the best of their ability because he, yeah. he ended up um he, yeah. he ended up um suffering from severe headaches and he was taking um oh, rats i don't remember what he was taking he was taking something for it I, honestly i think it was like a combination of like cocaine and strychnine and this concoction of craziness that we think is crazy now because we, I mean, we don't do that now. Um, but um, I'm wondering if, like, <laughs> later on, I know it's a party. No, no, do not do that. Um, if the syphilis had, had impacted his mental capacity. 100%, because we know that syphilis makes you sexually aggressive and also just aggressive in general. Yeah, potentially so. Not sexually aggressive as in like raping, but sexually aggressive as in seeking out sex oh. all the time. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because syphilis syph oh, is so it, <laughs> it's, it's terrible, but it's really interesting because um, it basically syphilis basically like it as it eats away at your body, it also oh. like takes control of your mind and turns you into a syphilis zombie because the way syphilis is transmitted is through bodily fluids and specifically like sexual bodily fluids. Mm. So syphilis like turns you into a sex zombie basically like cause syphilis oh. wants to spread. So it makes you want to have sex oh. and also fight, fight Ew. and sex. Yeah. 
Yeah. Isn't that cool? Isn't that neat? I mean, it's awful. It's, it's awful. But it's really interesting it's that like, it it's fascinating that an illness can take control of you like that. Well, and it's a, um, not to make this a freaking biology lesson, but it's a bacteria. It's not a virus because you can treat uh, it. You can make it go away. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, is it a bacteria? I don't remember. Let me look it up real quick. But yes, you can treat it. Right. Right. Because, yeah. Cause like oh, now, yeah. Because you treat it with penicillin, right? Yeah, I think so. Like, because nowadays, obviously, if you catch it, like, in stage one, you know, you're fine. Well, you're going to be okay. Like, they can get you get you taken care of. Yes. Bacterial infection. Okay. Yeah. Reds by awesome. sexual contact. Right. Right. Okay. Wow. <coughs> Ooh, excuse oh, me. So sorry. Oh, and, and and of course, if the if if a woman it ha, has syphilis while she's pregnant, it it'll go to the child. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right then, moving right along. Fun. I mean, not fun, but no, interesting. Interesting. Um, okay, so Cream um, is on the move again because that's what he does, and he soon heads to Chicago, Illinois, in the USA where he established yet another medical practice not far from the red light district. And of course. Yes. And generally for those who may not know, a red light district <laughs> is typically where um, uh, they usually, a lot of times you'll see them described as like also pleasure districts, um, mainly within like an urban area. So it's a concentration of sex work and other sex oriented businesses things like that. Um, which, you know, if that floats your boat, go for it. Um, anyway, I, I feel like red light districts would be a good place to get drugs as well, but I um, don't probably know. Probably so. Probably so. At least I don't Set know. Drugs I don't and rock and roll. Yes. Gonna have some rock and roll there. There's nothing wrong with rock and roll <laughs> or sex. I mean, drugs depends on what kind of drugs you're doing. And it depends on how you do the drugs too. Well, yes. You anyway. can take them anyways. <laughs> Um, so Cream finds himself broke and in a panic, um, or just, you know, whatever. Um, actually, wait, I have it. My notes are weird. I'm sorry. So, okay. So he's broke. He's in a panic, um, or just, you know, I don't know what's going on with him, but he basically begins offering, you guessed it, illegal abortions to pay the bills. What in the heck? So, okay. Um, He's not he, good at it. Well, I don't even know if it's about that. So I think from what I've read about doctors specifically who take lives, um, who murder people, they, um, they do it because they potentially have what's called a God complex. Basically, they have this need to like it's like they're wielding their power over these people like they they can decide whether they live or die gross or you have i think it's um oh gosh i think there was another term for it or or they they make them sick but then like want to swoop in and like save them to get oh munchausen's by proxy no that's i think that's different they the i think if somebody suffers from munchausen's um they are intentionally keeping the person ill to get the the sympathy to get the sympathy okay I so then intentionally making somebody ill in order to save them and get the gratitude would be different yes similar but different correct yeah at least that's how i understand it i am by no means a psychiatrist or psychologist i've just read a lot and it's interesting to me so in 1880, during his time in Chicago, he becomes acquainted with a woman named Mary Ann Faulkner. And Mary Ann was living and working in Chicago at the time. She was in her late 20s and worked mostly as a waitress, uh, maid, or other, like in another like service industry type job. And her mother and sister were living in Canada. And so Mary Ann would send money to back to Canada to help provide for both of them. And she had placed herself in the care of Dr. Cream after discovering she was pregnant. Ugh. And Cream um, employed a nurse named Hattie McKay um, to assist with the care. And Marianne ended up staying in Hattie's apartment during this time. 
And so Dr. Cream would end up visiting Mary Ann three times a day. And the neighbors kind of got a little suspicious at this. They're like, what's this dude doing? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they knew it was he was a doctor, but either way. So the Monday before Mary Ann was found deceased, um, Dr. Cream had brought with him a bundle of instruments wrapped in like paper to mm. Patty's, Patty's apartment. And so remember, this is mon- Monday, the Monday, it's Monday. This is happening. Okay. So at around four o'clock Friday afternoon, Patty was seen leaving her apartment with her kids. As night fell, the other tenants noticed a really terrible smell oh. apartment and called the police. They end up breaking into the, the apartment and they come across a horrible scene. Poor Mary lay on the bed, rapidly decomposing. Gross. I know. Her body would be examined by a coroner who found clear evidence of an abortion. Had, it had taken place. Cream and Hattie were quickly arrested on suspicion of performing an abortion and causing the death of Marianne. On August 23rd, 1880, Dr. Cream and Hattie were arraigned and held without bail on the charge of murder. Good. Both naturally quick to place blame on the other. Of course. And Cream kept changing his story. Like first he would tell the police, oh, Marianne was suffering from dysentery and then from cervical lesions and on and on and on. Hattie, on the other hand, claimed that Cream had in fact performed an abortion on Marianne and she tried her best to care for the woman. When Cream learned that Hattie had accused him of murder, basically he tried to pin it on Hattie, saying that she performed the abortion. Freaking fool. So Hattie agreed to turn state's evidence and in her testimony, uh, if, if her testimony led to the conviction of Cream, then charges against her would be dropped, basically. On November 15, 1880, Cream had his day in court, at least one of them. Cream's lawyer, a man named Alfred, I think, Trudy, um, did his best to discredit Hattie and tried to make it seem like she was the guilty one. Oh, my gosh. This went on and on. Um, and in uh, in the end, the jury actually found him not guilty. Oh, my God. He walks away. And the, the state also drops the charges against Hattie for whatever. I mean, what? I, I don't. Yeah. So sadly, I mean, justice is never served for Mary Ann Faulkner. Wow. It's just it, it's so sad. It's so sad. Poor Marianne. That's crap. And her family. And her family. Yes, and her family. That's crap. So, oh, I am so mad. I know. Me, me too. It, it gets worse. Oh, great. It gets worse. Yay. This, this fool. Okay, so we're still in Chicago. Um, it is 1880. Cream is a free man. And what does he do? What does he do? He opens a new surgery. Yes, he does. The audacity of this man. The audacity. The unmitigated gall. Oh, jeez. So during during his time in Chicago, uh, Cream likely murdered several women following the death death of Marianne, including an unnamed patient who mysteriously died under Cream's care and a woman named Sarah Alice Montgomery. Sarah's cause of death was a botched abortion followed by strychnine poison. Oh, good. And Sarah worked as a dining room attendant um, at the Eye and Ear Infirmary in Chicago. And the case was actually ruled a murder, but was never solved. I mean, the time period, the location, and the method made Creepy Cream a viable suspect. But it just, it didn't go anywhere, unfortunately. Oh, my gosh. And we will soon see this but strychnine poisoning basically becomes his M- part of his mo wow i was gonna say that he <laughs> i was gonna say that he's evolving his methods Ugh. yeah well, i mean a little bit yeah um and strychnine it i we've we've covered the case where that's a method of um 
I think so, but I forgot. So if you can refresh I mean, I guess my memory. I will tell you about this horrible substance. Yes. Um, it Please is incredibly do. deadly, um, even in small amounts. So in the past, as as we will see, um, it, it was actually used to treat certain ailments in very small doses. Okay. Um, but it, it, I think it affects the um, central, like your nervous system. It just, it, in high doses, it basically systematically starts to shut things down. So you uh, have a hard time breathing. Um, you could like oh, seize good. up kind of like tetanus. Um, uh, yeah. Great. Yeah. We love that. It's, it's terrible. It's what, terrible. A, what a lovely way to die. That sounds hideous. Yeah. Um. All right. So here, here's where things get real for creepy cream on July 14, 1881. And basically like things catch up to him briefly. Oh, good. A man named Daniel Stott died of poisoning at his home in Boone County, Illinois. And this is after cream allegedly supplied him with a remedy for epilepsy. Any, any guesses what you think that could have been? The, the remedy. Alex Trebek, I would I would like to take uh, strychnine for the win for six hundred, please. Yes, you win daily double. Um, yes, <laughs> strychnine. Yes. Um, I mean, I don't think it was. I don't know if it was straight strychnine, but it was mixed in with this remedy of some kind. Of course. And apparently, Cream was also having an affair with his wife. Julia. Oh, I was wondering how a woman was involved. And apparently this dude, Cream, was considered handsome. I mean, of course, I mean. I'm sure he's very charming to have been able to get away, to get out of court free. How many times now? Three? No. Three times? Oh, no, 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 Two no, no, times. No, 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 just the one time. Well, no, because he had the, he had the first, the first case. Did he? I don't think he, let me look back really quick. I it wasn't for, it wasn't for murder. It was for something else. And he got off scot-free. So that's two two times getting off scot-free. So he must be very charming. Whether he's actually or hands, actually handsome or not, his his charming abilities are at like 100%. Okay. This, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. And so I think Julia wanted them to be together. And so I suspect that she actually may have asked Cream to like, hey, get me something to kill my husband, or it might've been Cream's idea. I, I don't know. Could remember. have been both. Could have been both. Um, the coroner attributed Stott's death to his epilepsy. And basically the case was closed. Oh my God. Okay. Cream learns of the coroner's determination. And for whatever reason, I, I mean, okay. He basically, he decides to wire the coroner Telling him, no, you're wrong. It was poison. Wow. Wow. The audacity. Like, what? <laughs> wow. So he claimed that Daniel Stott was poisoned. And he further accuses the pharmacist who sold him cream, the pills, was negligent and to blame. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He, like, he couldn't let it go. I don't. I don't know if it's like his obsession to like insert himself into this or he's like, oh, I'm, I'm so no one. You know, <laughs> how no one, how like, dare you think that he died of his epilepsy? I clearly I, poisoned him. Oh my God. So the coroner naturally was kind of sus. He's like, mm, let, let's see what happens. And uh, like, okay, I don't like the way he did this, the coroner, but he ends up giving some of the, like one of the pills to a dog to see what happens uh, a few minutes later the, do the dog dies um, yeah. so Dick. the Stott's body is exhumed and they find enough strychnine in his system to kill three people wow so cream is arrested along with julia on suspicion of murder and julia like hattie quickly turns state's evidence um who have probably avoid again going to prison. Yep. And lays the blame on Cream, which leaves him to face murder convictions on his own. He was sentenced to life 
in prison at Joliet Prison, which is actually a very beautiful prison in uh, in Illinois. Actually, now that I think about it, I don't know if it's still, let me look really quick. I don't know if it's still there. I want to say that, um, well, sorry, typing. Um, Courtney and Patrick over at uh, Evil Pudding talked about Joliet Prison at uh, one of, oh my God, bus, sorry. Um, talked about this prison in one of their uh, haunted prison episodes. Let me look, old Joliet Prison. Yeah, it looks like it is still there. It's a really beautiful, um, I would consider it like Gothic, um, Gothic revival. Anyway. Okay. Um, so he, he goes there basically, but this is not the last we will see of creepy cream. Can, can you guess what happens? He gets let free because he's super charming. Well, actually, I mean, sort of, he, he does get released a decade later in 1891 and the governor at the time, uh, Joseph uh, Pfeiffer commuted his sentence after cream's brother pleaded for leniency and maybe even bribed some authorities that's not yeah substantiated but uh yeah sounds right yeah i'd believe that okay so cream is fresh out of prison he's probably still pissed off that julia flipped on him yeah um, as you would be <clears throat> his drug habits had intensified while in prison and i'm sure his syphilis isn't helping him any I'm really uh, surprised that we don't have any um I'm really surprised that we don't have any uh cases of him being in like bar brawls or engaging in fisticuffs in the streets I mean there may have been some of that it just may not have made the papers okay or I don't know but um so uh, I think um, I think his family was kind of fed up with him and his shenanigans. Yeah. And they're basically like, you can't come back here. So you got to go. And oh, good. he ends up leaving the U.S. for England. And his father had passed away a few years before he got let out of prison. And so he was able to collect his inheritance, um, which was, I think, en enough to get him um, back to, to England. And uh, he arrives in Liverpool on October 1st, 1891. And he finds a room at 103 Lambeth Palace Road. And this would earn him not just living there, but committing crimes in that area um, would earn him the moniker of the Lambeth Poisoner later oh. on. So Cream wastes no time going back to his old ways. Not even two weeks go by since he was back in England that he meets a 19-year-old sex worker named Ellen Nellie Donworth. And during their meeting, he offers her a drink from a bottle. And I can only imagine it's either like a liquor bottle or a small medicine bottle. It, I don't, it wasn't very clear in what I found. Um, but she ingests this liquid and becomes severely ill later that night. Oh. And uh, unfortunately, she succumbs to what would later be determined to be strychnine poisoning. She's 19, she's just a baby, oh. I know. During um, her inquest, the coroner inquest, um, Cream once again inserts himself into the investigation, writing the coroner in charge um, under a pseudonym of A. O'Brien, detective, alleging detective. that- Yes alleging that he has the name of the murderer and would provide it in return for 300,000 pounds. Wow. And in today's money, currency, that's about 46 million pounds. <gasps> oh my God. He's tripping. Like, no, sir. And you're a detective. Like you should just freely give up this information. Yeah. Um, he also, so that goes, the cops are like, yeah, you're stupid. Like move on, sir. Yeah. Um, we're never gonna he also, that. yeah. He also writes to a man named William Smith, who was the owner of a bookstore, 
accusing him of the murder and demanding money for his silence too. Oh my gosh. Like, so the, I mean, the blackmail and bribery attempts go nowhere. Um, it's just, it's like, I think it just was his way. Again, he's like hard up for money and it just, or he just likes toying with people. I don't know. I don't know. So could be a little bit of both. Could be a little bit of both. Um, okay. So on October 20th, Cream meets with a 27 year old sex worker named Matilda Clover and offers her some pills, instructing her to take four before bed. <gasps> Oh my God. And she does take the pills as instructed. No. And later that night, she begins experiencing violent, painful spasms. And she succumbs two hours later. <sighs> Unfortunately, her death was assumed to be heart failure due to alcohol withdrawal. And Cream, again, under a fake name, writes a letter to a prominent physician, uh, Dr. William Broadbent, claiming to have evidence of his involvement in Matilda's death and demands 25,000 pounds for his uh, silence. Oh my gosh. And again, I think that that's close to like 9 million pounds today. Oh my gosh. And Dr. Broadbent immediately contacts Scotland Yard and they set up a trap for the blackmailer. Black mailer um, when he was going to come collect the money, but cream never showed. So again, it's like what, I don't understand what, uh, what's going on with all that. Yeah. What's the point? Mm, I don't know. Okay. On onward. This is just good Lord. Okay. This one is actually the next um, victim. Potential victim actually gets away. Yay. So in late October, 1891, Cream meets a woman named Louise Harvey, and she goes by Lou, so Lou Harvey, which I think is a great name. Um, yeah, I really like that. I'm not certain how they came to meet. Um, one of the books I read, or the book that I read, um, indicates that they had corresponded maybe once or twice, um, but they end up spending the night together at the Paris Hotel, um, which is it is in... Um, the London area on Berwick Street in an area known as Soho in the West End Theater District. They arrange, uh, arranged um, to meet later that evening where Cream would treat her to a show of her choice. And however, before he leaves, um, he remarks to Lou that she had a few spots on her face and offered to bring her something like to help, help with that. I don't know if that was... Um, I don't know what it may have been or may not have been. I don't know, but like rude. Um, but he is a doctor. So at the same time, like, okay, thank you for that. Sure. So around seven that evening, Lou Harvey meets up with Cream by the riverside and they take a stroll along the River Thames where they stopped, probably chatting, you know, small talk. This bold mofo offers her two pills, like in broad daylight insisting she swallow them right away. And he told her, he was like, oh, they're going to help clear up your complexion. Stranger danger, Lou. Right, don't do it. Of course, she was sus AF and pretended to swallow the pills when he looked away for like a moment. But she secretly just tossed him in the river. Thank um, goodness. Say no to drugs. And like cream didn't, he wanted to make sure. So he's like, Hey, let me see your hand. Like, let me see your mouth. You know what I mean? Like yeah. checking to make sure she swallowed them. And so she did. Ew. And, but after he does that, he was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I have to like cancel our date right now. Cause I have to go to the hospital for some BS or whatever. And we can re we can meet me back here at like 11 tonight after the show. She's like, Oh, whatever, dude. Okay. And they part ways and she goes to the show. Um, and so she ends up coming back at like out after the show, like to meet him there, but he, of course he never shows up. Um, so yeah. Right. Cause he expects her to be dead. Exactly. Yes. So she, she gets away. In April of the following year, uh, cream meets a woman named Alice Marsh, age 21 and Emma Shrivel, age 18. These are both sex workers. He ends up spending the night with both of them 
in their flat and before leaving offers them cans of tinned salmon and three pills each. No. And again, I'm not sure what he tells them. I mean, it, it, the one of the theories was um, that they whatever he's giving them is going to help protect them against um, venereal diseases. Ah. Uh. Um, sadly, both women would die later that night from strychnine poisoning. Damn it. However, creepy cream. So through his stupid blackmail letters and need to inserting himself into these investigations, he succeeds in drawing close attention to himself from the cops. Ah. Not only did the police determine the innocence of those accused, um, but they noticed something very telling in one of the accusations. So the, la the letter he wrote to that doctor after he killed Matilda, he referred to the murder of Matilda. However, if you recall, her death was registered as quote unquote natural causes related to her alcohol consumption. Oh. So the police are like, okay, this is this is not okay. Like this dude, this is our this is our guy. This is our killer. Um so not long after that was discovered, Cream ends up meeting like randomly a New York City police officer who was visiting London. And the policeman had heard of the Lambeth poisoner and stupid cream decides to give him a, like a tour of where the various victims had lived and died. Of course. And I think he even like showed him his pornographic picture collection and some other stuff. And the of policeman's course. like, of course, weirded out. He's like, oh, whatever, you're a weirdo. Um, and so the New York policeman was obviously like put off and he's like, this is weird. So he mentions it to uh, a British uh, police officer um, who found Cream's detailed knowledge pretty suspicious, naturally. Yay. And so Scot Scotland Yard put Cream under surveillance and would soon discover his habit of visiting sex workers. <gasps> so they end up teaming up with authorities in the U.S. and Canada to get history on this dude. And they learn about his sketchy history Including yay. conviction for Stott. Yay! Oh my god, yay! Okay, so <clears throat> the walls are closing in. So we're getting there. Yes. An inquest was called to reinvestigate the death of Matilda in July of 1892, and the jury returned the verdict that Matilda died from strychnine poisoning, specifically administered by Cream, and he was arrested. Yay! So the jig is up. He was formally charged with the murders of Matilda Clover, Ellen Donworth, Alice Marsh, and Emma Shrivel. Also, the attempted murder of Lou Harvey and extortion. His trial lasted from October 17 to 21 in 1892. And apparently Cream was like super smug during all this time. Like he probably thought he was going to get away with it. Like he had yeah, 100%. like they got nothing on me, whatever. Yeah. So he's all like smug in the courtroom and I can just like picture him sitting there like, you know, you know what I mean? Like You do. I'm going to get off scot-free. Yeah, just ugh, buses. Um, but, you know, just that like air of just uh, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so this is probably my favorite part. Okay. Yay! So his, I just, I wish I could see the look. <clears throat> his smirk quickly faded as the prosecution's key witness enters the room. They had called none other than Lou Harvey. Woo! And she positively ID'd him as the man who tried to poison her and basically walked the jury through that bonkers evening where he heard the pills. So yeah, he, because he, he probably thought he killed her. And yeah, he thought 100% that he killed her. He's had the oh shit moment. So after only a few minutes, the jury found him guilty on all counts and he was sentenced to hang. Yay! Less than a month after his conviction on November 15, Cream was hanged at Newgate Prison in England. The executioner claimed that Cream's last words on the scaffold were, quote, I am Jack the, like, dot, dot, dot. Uh. Um, however, so... The claims are not, they're unsubstantiated <clears throat> as police officials and others who were there, like made no mention about this. 
Um, also, Cream was in prison at the time that Jack the Ripper was active. So yeah. it's I, I don't there have been speculations that Cream and Jack the Ripper are one and the same. Um, apparently, a Ripperologist named Donald Bell speculates that is an actual term like it is it defines those that um analyze the ripper jack the ripper case wow ripperologist um yeah so donald bell speculates that cream maybe had bribed officials and been either let out early um from prison Mm -hmm. and then um a sir edward marshall hall posits that Cream's prison term had been served by a lookalike in this place. Oh. Um, However, uh, such notions are extremely unlikely. um, And and essentially they contradict all the known evidence, um, like from local authorities at the time, newspapers, et cetera. Okay. So that is the case of Thomas Neal Cream and um his unfortunate victims wow so what was his body count that the, the official um, of, of the official I, body count oh gosh um let's see so we had alice emma marianne faulkner um matilda his wife i mean i, I think upwards of probably 10 jeez and that's and that's and that's, oh, that's official. That's what has been like reported. Yeah, who knows if he, you know, killed others that just never they never went reported. Yeah, like you don't you don't get a nickname by only killing like two people, unless you did it like horrifically well, gruesome. But right, yeah, yeah, and the fact that he used poison to me is strange. Again, I. I'm not a professional by any means, but I, I've always seen poison as like a woman's weapon. I hate to. I think most people you know, do I hate see to, it uh, as that. I can't even, my words are hard right now. I can't even think of what I'm trying to say. Like I hate to. Um, stereotype. What am I trying to Yeah. Stereotype, generalize, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless it was just uh, like he, it was almost like a fail safe way other than Lou Harvey who got away. Like he knew that if they took it, like they were going to die. Maybe, maybe it was easier because he had done so many botched abortions. Maybe he didn't like getting his hands dirty, Mm -hmm. like literally dirty. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe he just liked, maybe he liked that he could prescribe people things and they would take it because he was a doctor and then he could see them kill themselves. Oh God. Yeah, I see it. I, I that's what I see. I see that he's like, oh, I'm a doctor. I'm here. Take these, take these pills because I'm a doctor. And they willingly mm-hmm. walk well, to their deaths basically, but yeah. they don't knowingly, but they willingly that's probably, he probably got off on that. Maybe. And I remember too, um, in, uh, in the book, um, I'm pretty sure it was the book that he initially, he went to a pharmacist. I think it was in Chicago, um, trying to acquire the, the poison. Cause at that time we, we, I think it's, we think about, oh, it was probably just super easy to get these various drugs but the apparently pharmacists still like they had lists of doctors that licensed doctors that were legally allowed to obtain the medicine and um apparently dr cream had tried to get the poison and he wasn't on the list and the pharmacist is like "Eh, oh oh but i think and unfortunately i think he ended up taking his word for it and, and giving him what he wanted. But either that, either you're on the list or a reputable doctor can vouch for you. Um, I think they allowed that at that time, but it's, it's very, it's very interesting. Cause I mean, I, I think, I think they were all knowledgeable that like, Hey, 
this stuff should be only administered by a doctor or somebody who understands like how it is going to affect the body. You know what I mean? I would hope so. Willy nilly, like, oh, here, here's some cocaine or here's some, here, have some, here, have some strychnine. It's good for you. But yeah, so that, that's the case of Dr. (sighs) That's nuts. Yeah. Oh, very crazy. And he had to be super charming. He had to have the gift of gab because people went, keep, kept going to him. Right. Right. There had to have been something where people would trust him. Yes. Or maybe they didn't believe like, oh, he couldn't do that. Oh, he could never. He could never. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> wow. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I will have all of the various sources in the show notes. And again, that book is called The Case of the Murderous Dr. Cream, The Hunt for a Victorian Heiress. Well, The Hunt for a Victorian Era Serial Killer by, <laughs> by Dean Job. And there was another one that I came across. I, my library didn't have it. Um, but I will, I'll link that too, just because it's one that I do want to read eventually. Um, but it's also about Dr. Cream. And I don't exactly have a mocktail, but I've been on this kick where I mix my cold coffee with um, sparkling water. And it may sound weird, but that I, I think it's really, really good. That sounds, um, that sounds a little gross. Um, (laughs) I I love you, but that sounds a little gross. Um, but I have learned not to knock anything until I try it. Do you add like milk and stuff too? Or is it black coffee? No. Yeah. It's black. Yeah. It's black (laughs) coffee with the sparkling water. And I may add some like flavoring, whether it's you know, vanilla or whatever, not, not vanilla extract, but like vanilla syrups that I get from, uh, the Jordan's skinny syrup. Weird. Um, so it's kind of like a sparkling Americano kind of. Oh, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. So yeah, I know I'm weird, but, but I'm drinking it right now and it's very refreshing. That sounds gross, but I'm down to try it. I, yeah, I would, to- I would 100% try that. Because, again, you never know until you try it. This is true. I guess that's like with me and coconut water. Like, I've tried it, but I'm willing to try it again. Maybe as a mocktail or something. (laughs) (laughs) Come Um, to the dark side, Katie. Try the the coconut water. I I keep pushing it on everybody. I'm like, coconut water. And everybody's like, yeah, but it's disgusting. And I'm like, yes, but it's great. It's disgusting. Until you start associating it with rehydration. Well, yes. Sorry, I am so, um, I'm, I'm having such bad allergies today, so I'm really, oh, no. I'm really snotty, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so let's see, mocktail. Oh, it is, it is dry July. Ooh. And... Um, so we're recording actually on Saturday, July 1st and I'm debating if I want to, yes, I'm debating if I want to release this like today or tomorrow, but our, our one year podcast anniversary, well, that is anniversary, our one, yeah, Yeah. one year anniversary. Yeah. That's an anniversary. Annie is year and, and, Annum, Annie, Hello. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, we have merch. Woo! Have merch, and I'm merch. So excited about it. Um, our, you can you can find it on. Um, so, <clears throat> my husband has a website for like shirts and other stuff, and I'm like, it's going to be a lot easier if I just put it there instead of trying to. For people to buy it. So the website is jk-miskemporium.com. 
but I, we'll just link it in the show notes and also on our Instagram in the, the bio link there. It'll take you to our link tree with a direct link to the merch. And for our listeners through the whole month of July, um, crap, I thought I, hang on. It's a, it's a discount code. Yay. Let me really quick. Go. Hang on. While Katie looks for that, I'm going to tell you, I finally got the mug, the Malice and Mocktails mug, the smaller one. I think it's 11 ounces. It's a regular coffee mug size. Um, it's really cute. It's really cute. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, um, I will say that it did come a little dusty, um, but it. I'm wondering if it's maybe like dust from the printing process. Um, because, because the, because the, because the printing was perfect. Like, like our, like our logo on the, on the mug is perfect. So, um, so I don't, I don't know what that's about, but I mean, anytime I buy anything, I wash it before I use it anyways. So it's yeah. came, came right off. It's perfectly normal. Yeah, because they're everything, all of our uh, merch is print on demand. And we did that on purpose, mainly to, to save on um, uh, overstock. So I was afraid, I didn't want to buy a bunch of like t-shirts and stuff and then nobody, nobody want them. Yeah. Um, and so it saves on, it saves on material, it saves on energy. And so basically when you order something from the store, um, you order it, it gets sent to um, the third party Printful is who we use. And so then they um, they basically do all the work. They, they print it literally on demand. So you order it, they it's in the queue, they print it and they ship it directly to you. Yay. And then we'll, we'll get notified like when we have orders and stuff like that. So I usually try to like check up on people to make sure they get it. Um, and then, um, yeah. Okay. So we have through the whole month of July um, for our listeners just use. So for, sorry, I'm excited <laughs> for, for 20% off, 20% off your order. Um, use code malice July. So M A L I C E J U L Y for, um, for 20% off. Yay. We have really cute shirts and yes. like Emily said, the, the mugs. The um, mugs are very cute. And a tote, a little tote bag that has party like a mock star on it. Um, yeah. Really cute things. Um, and then we will be at the True Crime and Paranormal Fest in Austin. I think it's the weekend of the 24th. Um, so we'll, we may have some physical merch with us too and stickers and stuff like that. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to connecting with other podcasters and learning more about, um, this, uh, this event. Um, they really, they really focus on advocacy and um, ethics as it, as we pertain to, to talking about true crime. Um, and so I think that's, I think that's very good. Um, it so is because you, because you never want to re-victimize the victims or uh, hurt or hurt the family members or descendants. Right. And unfortunately, like the, the perp is sometimes, you know, at least what I find fascinating, it's like, well, why'd they do it? Like what, how, what broke in their brain to make them commit these horrible crimes? But then we sometimes may overlook the actual individuals who were directly impacted and then the families and friends that knew that person. And <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, ch definitely check it out. It, it looks like it's going to be an amazing event and there's some really great podcasters that are going to be there. Um, so we're really looking forward to attending and, yes. and with everybody. It seems like it's a pretty big event too. Yeah. Yeah. So that I think will do it for today, Emily. Yay. So yeah. And Coffee then our water. Okay. Yeah, coffee and sparkling water. Um, and then the next episode, um, hopefully, I think we're going to try really hard to, to go back to once a week, um, maybe. <laughs> so please don't hold us to that, but we're going to do our best. Um, but next, the next episode following this one 
um, we are going to have a special guest. And I'm not going to say who yet. Keep you in suspense. Um, but it is. Um, so our new format, which I think I've mentioned, we are wanting to include mocktail creators, those uh, folks in the sober sphere, sober curious, um, and kind of in between. Instead of us just always kind of giving you the information, we thought it'd be kind of cool to have the people that we talk about actually tell you. Um, so, so yeah, so we've got several people lined up to um, bring on the show. And um, yeah, I uh, think we have what, four lined up already? Three or four? Five, maybe? Even? Whoa. Awesome. Four or five? Yeah. Um, so we're really excited. I hope that you guys enjoy that. Um, if not, let us know. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I feel like there was something else. Oh, I also set up a buy us a coffee account, um, or as I put it, buy us a mocktail. Um, to <laughs> In where case you want to tip us? Yeah, if you're if you're so um, inclined or have the means and and want to give us a little tip, that's great. Um, you can do I think as little as a dollar. It'll let you. Um, and I mean, otherwise, if you support us by listening and sharing and rating, <clears throat> that's amazing. And we yeah, love we love that. That, that um, is plenty. Yeah, so definitely, if you like what you hear, definitely subscribe to the show, leave us a rating, review, um, share us with your friends, and, and we will catch you next time. Make good choices! <laughs> Make good choices. <laughs> Bye! <laughs>